you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. That'd be shorts weather in Canada. You sound just like a Canadian. They're built for the regular season. They're a well-oiled machine. I think the 76ers are going to overachieve this year. In my humble opinion, also, if you haven't heard, Jason Tatum 6'10". On wax for the world to know. Oh, man. Honestly, guys. I just don't think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid work together. You sound like a girl who's scared of love. I am a girl who's scared of love. It's theirs to lose. Dallas Mavericks finish with the two seed. You know how high I am on Dallas. Believe it or not, I had the Warriors at three. Ooh, wow. If Clay was playing, absolutely. Top three, top two. Oh, I think we can all agree on that. I think they're a high ceiling, low floor. I went with the Spurs at nine. Ooh. Oh, okay. wow. Wow. Really? Wow. None of us picked the Rockets. I'm going to make a joke because I am a glutton for punishment. You're just a masochist, bro. That shit was bonkers. I'm not going to do what y'all did Alonzo. Yeah, his shot looks great. Lamelo's is puke. I'm so hot. Um, that's why they call him the Marvelous the Chosen, bro. They gave Lowry and DeRozan every opportunity. But it's a new day, gentlemen. Because the bright future suns are finally fucking here. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Charity Stripe Commentary. This is your host for tonight, Sean Lawler. I am joined by our newer member of the group, Eugene. How are you doing, Eugene? I'm doing good, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Marcus messaged me and said he was at work, stuck at work, and I think Trey's kind of down and out with the second dose of uh, Pfizer that he got. Lucky, lucky guy. I'm not going to be getting mine till the summer because my premier just doesn't understand how to listen to doctors. Um, have you gotten any vaccines yet? Yeah, I mean, I, I work in healthcare, so I got it. First one in December and the second one in January. Yeah, that's like my buddy uh, who's a doctor working in the hospitals. He got his pretty early on. And then my other buddy in the Army, his wife is a nurse in the Army, and she got hers pretty early on as well. She said the second Pfizer really knocked her out. So um, yeah, that I might be what Moderna. Trace. You had the Moderna. I've heard yeah. the Moderna's nice. The Canadian. Well, uh, the second <laughs> one still got me. It was, yeah. uh, it was a little rough. <laughs> yeah. And then the Johnson and Johnson's just a one, one shotter. Yeah. Um, and then AstraZeneca is who knows what's going on with that one. <laughs> I haven't even heard about that one. AstraZeneca. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's the other one that, some people didn't get blood clots in Europe inside. It's like, it was like six out of over 6 million shots. People got blood clots that were bad and one person died. So they've kind of eased back on that yeah. one. But uh, this isn't a pod about vaccines. This is a pod about basketball. And most, most of the time, NBA basketball. And that's what's happening right now. The NCAA is in their off season. Gonzaga is doing well. They've just, you know, replaced Jalen Suggs with Chet Holmgren. Um, hmm. Just ready to go next year. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, what do you think about uh, Chet? I haven't I, – I don't watch high school stuff, honestly. I don't know too much. The pods I've been listening to, I've heard he's the consensus number one. So I, I – that's why I'm like Gonzaga. I think I saw in one of the early, early mocks, top 25, they were 10th. And that was pretty low. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think they'll be good next year. You know, Jalen Suggs, I think he's going to be good 
prospect in the NBA. We'll be talking about him in a couple of weeks, uh, getting some breakdowns. But on the docket, Trey had messaged us on the weekend about Windhorse's Hoop Collective podcast, and he had Tim McMahon and Tim Bontemps on. <laughs> and they had talked about Jokic versus Embiid, and Windy was basically flabbergasted that Jokic had 90 first place votes and Embiid only had two five Be- yeah. and it was just making all kinds of jokes about if you miss one game you're done in the awards race not realizing that you know Embiid's missed 10 plus games and then the stat that floored me was the fact that he only played 45 percent of the available minutes that he could have played for his team and Jokic had played all his games in 75% of the minutes. Hmm. <laughs> so did you have a chance to listen to that pod? I did listen to it. That was brutal. Uh, <laughs> it sounded like they were going to fight as soon as they were done with the, the pod. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was probably a good one that that one was over Zoom <laughs> instead of in studio. <laughs> yeah, they, they would have had to break and yeah, someone would have had some black eyes when they came back. Yeah, and I saw that it kind of went over to Twitter a little. Some shots were taken at Windy by Tim McMahon and Tim Bontemps because <laughs> while I was listening to it, I was like, well, I'm, I'm following these guys now, obviously. Because <laughs> they are just handing Windhorst his lunch. <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard anything like that on a podcast. They, they took that personally. As they should have. Honestly, as they should have. While I was listening to it, I, I joked and Trey had mentioned that I, I was pacing while I was listening to it. like. Embiid's missed that number of games. I don't think it was hyperbole when we did that pod a few a week or so ago, asking if he was done in the race now that he was injured, and it was Jokic's to go because, as we said, Jokic hasn't missed a game. Now right. Jokic doesn't have Jamal Murray, <laughs> and he's so he's got to he has to carry the Nuggets. Embiid has some other guys that can play. They they're 500 without him, which is fine. It's serviceable, and he has dominated. But if you don't play the whole season, and somebody else does and puts up really good stats like Jokic has and has dominated in a harder conference, I don't think it's really that much of a debate hmm. for Embiid. I'm I'm sorry, Embiid. You <laughs> you have to stay healthy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the the games played thing is more of a tiebreaker than anything. Like, I like if if they miss like a third of the season or half of the season, then that's different. But you know, if they miss five or six games, then you know they should still be in consideration at least. You know, just based on his on their other merits. But I do think that um, even if he had played all the games, Jokic is probably he's probably the guy this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there that was a debate. I a lot of people talked about Embiid. He was the front runner. They mentioned the straw poll that Bontemps had done earlier in the season when just before James and Embiid went down. And I think they went over the first place votes and it was close in the overall pointage, but in first place it was like LeBron with 54 first place votes, Embiid with 20 something, and uh Jokic was in the teens. Yeah. For that. So it was Jokic was in third place in the first place votes. And then Windhorse just like lost it over the fact that he had 90 and Embiid only had five. 
and mm-hmm. said he's only missed 10 games, but in a season where there's 10 less games <laughs> and yeah. you're comp- and the other player, it's not like the other, if both players had missed time for COVID or something like that, then it's kind of a, and then, and B gets injured, then it's kind of a fair comparison, but Jokic hasn't missed any time for any protocols, any injuries, nothing. He's played every game. He's played back-to-backs. And Windhorse said, admitted, and not really admitting, but kind of let it out of the bag, that Embiid has taken some back-to-backs off, the second games of back-to-backs. Jokic has back-to-backs as well. He's playing them. Our main concern with him was weight before. Our main concern with Embiid is weight. (laughs) <laughs> and endurance Jokic is showing that he's listened to that and evolved mm. and if the Nuggets don't fall without Murray there I think it's lock it's a lock not having Murray locks it up for Jokic in my opinion the way he's playing okay well let me play devil's advocate here for a second sure uh, first of all Embiid's having a monster year like oh, just yeah. In and of himself, he's he's having a, a great year. Um, so is Jokic, but um, he's also a much better defender. Like maybe Jokic has gotten better, but he's still not on Embiid's level or even close. Um, when I'm looking at the MVP, the first thing I usually look at is their production. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's fair to necessarily base uh, base your decision on games played. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it would be it would be on there, but it would be somewhere down the line. Yeah. Um, with that said, though, I mean, he's more of a two way guy, indeed, than than Jokic. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, the way Jokic brings everybody around, and it's felt like Murray being gone, they haven't really missed a step. I expected a more of a drop off because one of the topics we talked about was whether MPJ was ready to kind of take over from Murray's minutes. And it hasn't really been Porter having to do that as much as Jokic has set him up and put him in the positions to be able to do that. So I agree Embiid is the better two-way player. He has been dominant, and that's what I mentioned on previous pods about him potentially getting back if he comes back and dominates. You know, this draw poll is pretty recently after he came back from his injury. So I kind of expect that it would be this wide after missing 10 games. I'm not saying Embiid's out of it. He can climb his way back in. Absolutely, he can. But at this time, it's not that crazy for Jokic to be this far ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. With the number of games that have been played, that's, that's just the way it's going to go. And it was funny because they were – the one thing I saw was with Windhorse, he was always bringing up Joel's points – and rebounds and then when you talk about Jokic you talk about points rebounds and assists (laughs) so he's kind of more the better all-around offensive player than Embiid I would say and Embiid's the better two-way player so which one do you prefer that's kind of you know voter's choice but I I thought Windhorse was out of line and deserved to be taken back a couple pegs for the way he was acting like he was super incredulous about the vote and it's like like and he would make points and the tims would be like yeah you're making our points for us as to why the, as to why the voting went the way it did 
Well, let me ask you this. Um, how do you define MVP? Like, what, what do you, what do you think that means? Like when you, when you go to choose someone, what does that mean to you? So it's the most valuable player. It's a regular season award. So a lot of times kind of where I look at it is if, if that player's gone, how bad does the team get? So like Kawhi Leonard, the year that the Raptors won, he, even if he played more games, he wasn't going to win MVP because the Raptors played so well without him because he just had such, he took them to a level that they needed to be to win the championship. They weren't going to win the championship without him, but they would have done what they'd done before without him. So him, him leaving wasn't as big of a detriment to that. LeBron James, you see what's happening. The Lakers have actually been playing pretty well this year, but for the most part on a lot of his teams, he, when he left, it was over. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like yeah. his first year at the Lakers, they were a fringe uh, playoff team. The minute yeah. he was done for the season, they were a lottery team. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that is so his case for most valuable would have been in that seat. He had a case in that season. He didn't play enough games, obviously. Right. Jokic, we don't we obviously don't have any data to see how they would be without him there. But the way he I think they would be worse if he got injured instead of Murray, I think the Nuggets would do worse than how well, they're yeah. doing right now. Yeah. Because I the way Trey talks about how he runs that offense is just he gets the whole team involved. Whereas if you take out Embiid, you just basically have to shift the way that offense is. And Doc Rivers is a really good coach. We'll get to him later where he can utilize. And then you have Ben Simmons and you can utilize Ben Simmons different in a different way that helps the team. Right. Because some of those games without Embiid, you didn't have Simmons as well. So it's not a true to say Simmons is only a 500 player without Embiid and that. Right. Hmm. What about yourself? Um, what's the question? <laughs> so how do you value the MVP? Oh, Where do um, you, how do you define it? Basically the way you do. Um, I see a lot of people on online that, that define it so many different ways. And I don't mm. understand why, because it's kind of a self-explanatory uh, term most valuable you know like you said what's do, who brings the most value I mean you obviously have to be on a winning team but like how much worse would that team be without them you mm. know, that, that's the way I look at it um, and yeah I mean you're right you Jokic is um, I mean everything runs through them basically so they'd yeah. probably be pretty lost without them um, <clears throat> I do have a question for you though sure Let's say Embiid didn't miss any games uh-huh. and he still has the same averages. Who, who's the MVP? It's because it, that's kind of, I know you're kind of putting me in a corner with that one because it's, it's his stats that bring him there. And that's, and I do believe in that part. Like it's, if you have ex, like the stats that Embiid has, they're just so dumb the way he yeah. plays. Like it's, Jokic doesn't probably could put up similar stats. He just doesn't need to. So he plays within the offense that's given. He takes what's given to him. And Embiid is on a mission right now, especially like the way Shaq's talked about him and different things like that. So Embiid, I I think it would be close. I would have, I know Embiid would probably win because that's where just listen to Windhorse. Like (laughs) Embiid was pretty much locked up the minute James went down. LeBron went yeah. down. 
And it was Embiid's. Nobody really talked about it. It was almost surprising when Trey brought it up to me on the pod and to us about Jokic being his MVP at the time. And he's been really early on that. But I think reevaluating it, I the way Embiid's just so dominant, you have to, it's kind of like you have to reward that. Most val he may not be the most valuable in the sense that if he goes away, the team crumbles, but he's playing so well and so dominant against the competition that you kind of have to, and, and the two way thing, the two way thing kind of makes up for that fact as well. That's it. The team is totally different on defense without him. Um, they have to do it more perimeter with your Thibels and Simmons and everything. They don't have, there's no room for error <laughs> right, right. on the defense event. And I think Jokic can get there or close to that. I, I think Embiid's size and skill just give him that awareness on defense to just kind of make up for, di- for different things. And Jokic doesn't have that step. He doesn't have that like boom step on defense. He has it on offense, but not on defense quite yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if, if he was um, – if he hadn't gotten injured, it would still be close, I, I think. It would still be pretty close. Um, Jokic is having one hell of a year. But, yeah. Um, I, I don't know who I would pick. I, it's kind of a good thing that he's not because then you don't really <laughs> have to, 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 to think about it, you know. Yeah, and, and I want people to know I'm not saying Embiid should be out of the conversation. It's – Embiid's not as close to Jokic right now because of the circumstances of what's happened. If he stays healthy and plays the rest of the season, obviously it's the trajectory back. His his arrow goes up faster than Jokic's right now in the MVP standings. Um, just because Jokic doesn't have just we know what we're getting with Jokic and Embiid. If he just dominates and Philly runs away with it. In the right. East, you kind of, you know, you kind of have to give it to him. But it, it's really good. We don't, neither of us have votes. We just talk for a living, you know, about right. this. But I I thought that was an interesting one. And then the next topic I wanted to bring up, and you were, you were shocked at it in the rundown. <laughs> um, to preface it, it, this basically I put this on my list once while I was watching the New York Knicks. Um, playing the New Orleans Pelicans on Sunday, I believe that was. It was in the afternoon. Pelicans blew it. But Zion Williamson, I'm wondering if he's ever going to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Hmm. I think, is he ever going to be is an easy question. Um, it's No. <laughs> and can he be? Um, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think he could be potentially just, he's got such quick hands. I find for, for a person of his size, I saw him in person in Toronto when Duke came up to play a couple of the universities up here. And it was in like a hockey arena, one level, mm-hmm. like junior C hockey arena. So you're, we're really close to the court and he, he just, he's not as tall as the, um, they try and say he's six, six with shoes on, yeah. but he's just so fast 
and his hands, like you don't even notice it. The play that the play that um, caused me to put this in was he covered Julius Randle for most of that game against the Knicks when the two of them were on the court. And Julius Randle was going to try and go into, across him. It, it was foul line extended, wanted to go to the inside to drive to the basket. And as he was crossing the ball over, it got tipped back. And it was Williamson tipped it back on him and never touched Randall, like didn't get into his body or anything, just like tipped it, went around him deftly, uh, deftly and took it in for a dunk. And I just thought that was like, I've seen him do that when he was in college. He's done that a few times. He doesn't average a lot of steals, but I find that, you know, we talked about off air, Jordan won in 88 defensive player of the year, you know, and you're in the time of like Olajuwon and um, Ewing Robinson. He had Scotty Pippen as a teammate. He was nine time first team, all, all defense. So if he, if he's going to be the next LeBron, the next Jordan, he has to get into that conversation because James as well was first team all defense five times. Yeah. Well, I guess what I, what I think when I think of Zion playing defense is who's he going to guard? Cause on offense, he, he plays down low or mm-hmm. well, lately he's been point forward, but um, if he's going to guard the bigs, he's not going to be able to, to really keep them out of there without getting in foul trouble. Cause he doesn't have the length to, to contest. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I just don't see them putting him on on like little smaller guys, like perimeter guys for long stretches of time. So I, I, I just wonder who he guards, you know, like consistently, what kind of player? Yeah, and I, I think that's a good question because you're exactly right about the his tweener status on defense with who he's guarding. He can't really guard – like Simmons can guard all five positions. And um, Gobert – and Capella, they're in the conversation just for like rim protection and different things like that, and the way they affect how the offense is around them. Zion, if he's if every team had a Randall, I think then you would have <laughs> then he could be in the conversation. Because it's those kinds of players that he guards, like the Rand, basically co- copies of him, but without as that aren't as good as passers as he is, because he's a really good passer. So you kind of need the players like the Randalls. Um, and he needs to get a little quicker if he's guarding like an Ingram or somebody like that yeah. to try it. Cause the, if he's playing down low, he's never going to be in the defensive player of the year conversation. That's right. just, but I think on the, uh, on the perimeter, if he's guarding like bigger ball handers, like a Randall, a Brandon Ingram, if he can get into their pockets more often, then you would kind of have to, cause that's, that's really how Jordan won in his, he was really good at stealing like just timing, poking the ball out because he wasn't getting blocks or guarding anybody big down low. It was on the perimeter, being able to get steals to take it up the court and putting guy helping out into in the defense. So I just, I kind of wanted to bring that up because I thought he's an interesting case. Like we have Ben Simmons is considered the dark horse right now in the defensive player of the year. It's basically go bears, I guess. <laughs> to win, to yeah. lose, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you've got Capella kind of making it, gaining an uptick, going like an absolute yeah. monster of a game on Sunday, twenty five and twenty four. Had a couple of those recently, yeah. <clears throat> had a couple of twenty twenty games, I think. 
Yeah, and I think he it was like 2020 20 and three blocks. He's had four of them this year. Wow. So that was because I saw the the end. He got interviewed by Dominique and the play-by-play guy. They had him on the headset after the game. And yeah, that's that's the way Big gets it. Ben Simmons is able to guard all five positions. Zion's not. I think Zion, if he can guard a point guard well, it could make up for the fact that he's too short to guard big guys. Hmm. So if he, like, he would have to win like a Jordan style one, like kind of, he'd have to average probably two steals minimum a game, maybe get up to a block a game. And that's kind of where he gets it. Just because if he, if he's somebody you try and avoid on screens, then that voters will notice that if they're noticing you're trying to get off of Zion, like if he gets on there on a screen and then you're trying to get off of him, then he'll be in it. But right now they're not that way. So I think you're right that probably not. He'll probably never be in that conversation. I just, I think, you know, he's got that old school defensive player of the year pedigree. Hmm. Unfortunately, the big guys take up a lot of space in this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some tough converse competition for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know that's that's great. I love to see that. Like Gobert, just the fact that Gobert and Capella can find space to stay on the floor in the regular season, especially it's a regular season award. When we get to the playoffs, we have the yeah. conversation with those two about whether they can stay on the floor. Um, because <laughs> there's not enough offensive possessions for their defense to make up for the lack of offense. <laughs> right, exactly. yeah. So yeah, you're exactly right. They can't stay on the court. So the last thing I wanted to get into was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Doc Rivers, we'll get to him coach of the year. He's the top, the Philadelphia is the top team in the East. The front runner right now, we are talking off air is Quinn Snyder out of Utah. Some of the other names that I've heard kind of bantied about were um, Tom, Tom Thibodeau out of the New York Knicks because of how well he's done. They're in the five spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte, their coach. Uh, is so Borrego? Is that, that is? Oh, James Borrego. Yeah. yeah. James Borrego. Yeah. So he's done really well with Charlotte. And they really haven't fallen off with uh, LaMelo Ball being gone and now Hayward and apparently LaMelo might be coming back so that's yeah. good signs for them next week and, yeah and then you've also got Monty Williams is kind of the name that a lot of people are talking out of Phoenix um, would you, what do you think about Monty Williams and whether he's deserving of that talk and who's your kind of dark horse I think the five you just named are probably going to end up being the top five um, mm-hmm. as far as what order uh, it would probably be Utah first uh, with Snyder just because of the record. And um, me, though, I would pick uh, Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. I just feel like like he came into a new situation or into an existing situation, a new coach, and he's they're just doing so much better. And there hasn't really been a big change in personnel other than the coach. Mm-hmm. And so it – stands to reason that a lot of their success is based off. <clears throat> he doesn't have like a, a CP three running the offense to, to get him some easy wins. You know, I don't know. I give it to him. Mm-hmm. 
So, so like, I'm looking like Ty Lue. You don't think he's in the running for the roster he inherited and how well they've they've been doing? Because it's kind of similar. Are you think? Do you think Doc's success last year showed that it's not really the coach <laughs> so much until we get to the playoffs, and then it's more of the coach at that time? Well. I don't, I don't think uh, – what was their record this time last year? I don't, I don't think that they're doing a lot better than they did last year. I mean, their issue was more the playoffs than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Clippers just in general seem to be under the radar uh, mm-hmm. just this whole season, except for Paul George. He's kicking ass. But um, Yeah, I think with them it's more of like we'll see when the playoffs come around, kind of like yeah. Kansas was back when Roy Williams coached them. It was always like, yeah, great, they're one seed. We'll, we'll talk if they're in the Elite Eight. so that that's kind of where i see the clippers and it's hilarious that we're talking about the clippers like oh yeah they'll have a really good regular season record and then we'll talk and see if they do well in the playoffs because i mean that's kind of how we feel about all these teams right yeah yeah and it's but especially the clippers like the way they went out last year like paul george can do all he wants in the regular season but it's it's the same with james hart james hart milwaukee same with brooklyn yeah yeah so that's I think I agree. Doc Rivers is should be considered the front runner with Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn Snyder's deserving of the front runner. I think it should be a one-two combo there for that. And then I do really like James Borrego in there as well as Tom Thibodeau. I think they both deserve a mentioning at least. Yeah, I think, and I think fifth would be Monty Williams. That's how Mm -hmm. I would put it. I'd put. You know, Quinn Snyder one, Doc Rivers two. I'd put Tom Thibodeau three, James Borrego four, and then fifth, Monty Williams. Because having CP three, you're exactly right. That's yeah. You've got a second coach. You've got an assistant coach playing basketball. Pretty right? much, yeah. <laughs> so, and Quinn Snyder doesn't have quite the roster that Doc Rivers does, in my opinion. So that's where I get. Quinn Snyder coming from like you Donovan Mitchell for a team that plays that well you would think their star would be in the MVP race but he really isn't because <laughs> yeah. it's been more of a team effort it's yeah been, it's more of a committee thing yeah yeah and especially Mike Connolly Jr. playing really well this year that really has been the difference they've broadcasters have said it that they think they would have done really well in the bubble playoffs last year if Mike Conley was playing well and they didn't have some of the things going on COVID wise and the way they're playing this year I kind of agree (laughs) Mike Conley's been a turning point and I think that's one of the reasons Donovan Mitchell isn't in the MVP race because the most valuable players kind of been Mike Conley and the fact (laughs) that he he brought them from like third fourth place up to first place (laughs) yeah yeah i think people realize that's more of a team effort there and there's nothing wrong with that it's not a bad thing oh absolutely there's never anything wrong with a team effort um bringing you into first place i think a lot of people think the lakers will dominate in the playoffs if james and davis are healthy just because the playoffs kind of become who's got the best stars <laughs> who's got yeah. the player that can take you there sometimes you get the team but i think the team we saw with toronto is capped at conference finals 
a win in the conference finals, maybe. Wait, <laughs> who was this, Toronto? James, Toronto. So when uh-huh. LeBron James is involved, you can have the best team overall. Yeah. Because Toronto probably had the best two through 10 versus Cleveland when James <laughs> was there. But James as the one was so much better. <laughs> Every <laughs> year. Yeah. yeah. So I think <laughs> that's where like the Jazz, if they make the finals, it's a really good year for them. I don't, I don't, not a lot of people have them penciled in for the finals. They, I don't. <laughs> no, it's Lakers, maybe Clippers, maybe Nuggets, Suns, potentially with CP3 for that. But the Jazz, I, you know, following the Raptors model, I'd say conference finals is where they kind of cap, unless yeah. Donovan Mitchell takes it to the next level and Gobert finds a way to stay on the floor. Because if they can find a way for Gobert to stay on the floor, he really does help for them. Because he, you know, there's a reason he's potentially the defensive player of the year this year. And that's one of the reasons they're in first place. Right. Yeah, I think, um, what, what does it say about your team when your, your defensive player of the year can't even play in the playoffs? You know, like, it's like a different game. It's, you're not playing the game that got you there. You know, it. it that's really a disadvantage for the Jazz. Mm-hmm. It is. It absolutely is. And that has to do with Gobert's offensive deficiencies more right. than his defense. And like I mentioned, it's basically you have less possessions. So his defensive his defensive presence isn't as dominant in the playoffs because there's less times for him to be dominant. Whereas you have to do well, you have to be efficient on offense because you're getting less chances on offense because everything slows down so i think if donovan mitchell can rise up in the playoffs and pull like a jamal murray last year where he just starts going off it's throughout the whole thing gobert finds any way to stay on the floor (laughs) (laughs) honestly i think gobert should go to Jokic camp and learn how to pass (laughs) and just because he's tall he's tall enough if he could just learn how to pass and scream like yoke like 50% of Jokic, then he it'd be easier to keep him on the court. Because really, they just don't know where to put him on offense. Right. They try and put him in the dunker spot, but then there's nobody else. The person's sagging off of him. Things get clogged. And then maybe he can teach Jokic how to play defense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we need both service. of them on the same team. That's what we need. We just need oh my a, God. Jokic that on be... offense and, and Gobert on defense. Twin Towers again. There just, we go. That, that would be phenomenal. <laughs> It'd be fun to watch. That's for sure. It would be. It would be. I, I would like to see that. That would, that would be a good one to see. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Anything that's stuck in your craw about the NBA? Uh, no, not right now. Uh, I'm just waiting for the playoffs, really. I'm kind of excited. Uh, I think, well, who do you have winning it all? If you had to pick someone right now, who would it be? Honestly, it's probably, uh, cause LeBron's not healthy. I don't know how healthy, like if LeBron's healthy, it's LeBron. Okay. Cause I just, I can't pick against LeBron. Personally, okay. I think I think it's LeBron. I think it's Lakers Nets if everybody's healthy for that. Just because the Nets are gonna, you know, they'll score enough points during yeah. those bogged down possessions just because of the three point and the fact that Harden doesn't have to do everything. I think is going to be freeing 
we've joked earlier in the season, like it's basically OKC and you've traded Russ for Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Brooklyn's my pick. I think that's who's going who's gonna to take it this year. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like I, I don't – that's not a bad pick at all. I, I'd love to see like uh, the Nuggets or Jazz. But like honestly, mm. the Suns would be my personal favorite to win it just for CP3 purposes i would like to see him win one yeah i I don't see him having many more chances after this year with that maybe next year um gets eight to step up but he's getting he's getting up there in years so we'll we'll see but i think lakers nets is probably going to be the finals i've got the lakers you've got the nets i mean it feels like this year the playoffs just seem a lot more like there's a lot more uh it's more wide open, I guess. It is. You know, because LeBron, who knows what he is. And then same with KD and Harden. You know, if, if they're there, they're probably going to make it. But who knows if they're going to be there. You know, it's just um, there's a lot of exciting teams. There's, there's the Jazz. There's Denver. There's the Clippers. The Lakers. You know, and I feel like it's not normally like that. Normally, it's, you kind of know it's going to be two to four teams that are going to be in the finals. But this year, it feels like it could be like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, and you you still have to think about the Bucks because they did bring in Drew Holiday, so you don't know if he's going to be the difference maker for them. Uh, He's been really good defensively for them. He's been kind of that perimeter defender that they've really been lacking and what they thought Bledsoe was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. And he isn't a a minus like Bledsoe is on offense. So, (laughs) Although Bledsoe has been playing pretty well. He went off against the Knicks. He did have a good second, I think it was second or second quarter, I think. He had a really Mm -hmm. good one. Or third quarter, he had like, it was the second quarter. He had like 14 points in the second quarter against the Knicks. And he was like six for six from three. And it was, yeah, or not six from six. He was six for six overall, a couple threes. Yeah, and 14 points. Not yeah, Milwaukee's still happy he's gone now. <laughs> oh yeah, a- absolutely. You're. They would have loved to have Bogdanovich as well. That would probably make the Drew Holiday trade more tenable because that's how we looked at it on our pod. I I looked at it as both. I was like, you know, each separately, it's a little much each, but together it was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll let you go. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining. Glad to have you here. Uh, we'll definitely catch up with you in the chat. Please check out hoopssocial.com, hoop-social.com for all the things Trey's writing. Follow them on Twitter. Trey's been posting links to videos, making videos, writing articles. He's at Final Finally. I'm at an angry white dad. You can follow me there. Um, the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with the Z. We just, our YouTube page went live. I posted a clip where we talked about potentially the next wave in the future for trading is trading coaches and whether you could trade like an offensive coordinator for a head coach, different things like that, <laughs> draft picks, just kind of discussing that in the clip. And then the rest that you can check out the podcast everywhere. Same with this one, Charity Stripe Commentary. Uh, at charity strike 23 is our twitter handle enjoy the rest of your day let's go Jokic. <laughs> all right Embiid. <laughs> <laughs>